filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. What's going on? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I make sure you never have to read a book again, because I'm going to read it for you. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to condense it down to its core golden nuggets and bring it to you week after week. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing. I do appreciate you giving the podcast a try. And if you are one of the loyal folks who have been listening to the podcast and been long-term subscribers since the beginning, thank you so much for uh, sticking with me and thank you so much for believing in the podcast. And uh, it's my goal to continue bringing value to you through this podcast. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll be a subscriber for a really long time as I continue to grow this thing. So on that note, actually, on talking about the growth of the podcast, I do want to fill you in on something exciting that I've been working on with the podcast. So uh, as you know, you know, I'm a big fan of innovation, growth, marketing, sales. Obviously, it's just something I live and breathe. So I want to use the podcast as a vehicle for that. How can I innovate with this podcast and how can I continue to drive more value to you with the podcast? So I have a couple ideas that I'm spinning around in my head right now, and I'll share one with you right now. What I'm going to do is, well, uh, first off, I've been obviously choosing the books myself week after week. Uh, I have a big bookshelf full of books, so I just grab a random book and I start reading it and I share it with you. But what I decided to do is change it up a little bit and not pick the books myself. What I've decided to do starting in June is go to CEOs, CEOs that run $1 million, two, 5, 10, 50, 100, 250, 500 million dollar companies and ask them what they're reading. But not only ask them what they're reading, but ask them what books were influential in their business. Um, Books that helped them solve a specific problem, get over a certain challenge, something that unlocked an opportunity for them. Uh, I want to know what kind of books they're reading and how they're using those books in their business. So essentially, I want to know what books they're reading and understand the golden nuggets that they used in their business. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them what those books are. I'm going to read it myself, dissect it for you, and I'll provide an episode just like I do every single week. But I'm going to add a second episode of the podcast where I'm going to have that conversation with the CEO. And the reason for that was that it's all theory-based right now. I'm bringing to you the information from the book, but what I'd really like is to not only give you the information from the book but to give you examples of strategies, programs, lessons learned from CEOs who have actually gone forward, taken this knowledge, and put it into practice in their business. That to me gets me jacked up because it's exciting. It's exciting to hear stories of people putting this stuff into action. And so there's definitely going to be lessons learned there uh, from the CEO's perspective. And I think it's a great way to, again, unlock a different perspective, unlock some new knowledge, some experience, And to me, this just makes the podcast, Cut the Crap podcast, that much more valuable to you, the listener. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Do you like the idea? Do you hate it? Um, You sort of in the middle, wait and see. Uh, Let me know. Connect with me on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. You can message me on the website, cutthecrappodcast.com. Got the contact form in the bottom there. You can feel free to message me and um, let me know what you think. But 
Uh, I'll be kicking that off in June. I already have some interviews lined up, and I will be uh, starting off with some smaller organizations and working myself up to larger organizations. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun with it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to break into it. So I always want to keep you up to date in terms of where I'm going to go with the podcast. And like I said, I'm always open to feedback. So if you have any, throw it at me. Alrighty, so this week's book, I'm sticking with the marketing book, and I'm sticking with my man Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm a big fan of Gary. Last week, we did jab, 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 right hook. This week, we're doing the thank you economy. Now, the thank you economy was released a number of years ago, but I still think it's relevant today only because I don't think that we're capitalizing on this concept that is the thank you economy. If this were 1923, this book probably would have been called Why Radio is Going to Change the Game. If it were 1995, it would be Why Amazon is Going to Take Over the Retailing World. But because it's 2016, it's Why Social Media is Changing the Way People Buy. The thank you economy is a cool term that was coined by Gary Vaynerchuk uh, when he wrote this book. And I actually like that term. Because that term describes what we're facing right now in the marketplace. And that's a change in how we communicate. From business to consumer and from consumer to business. The thank you economy is all about how power has been given back to consumers. Consumers have the power now. And businesses, if they don't realize that, can put themselves in a very, very risky position. I mean, there's numerous examples, numerous case studies of businesses that didn't realize um, the power of social media. They mistreated a customer, gave a poor experience, and didn't do anything to fix it. And as a result, the consumer, who now has the power, they have a platform, which is called social media, and they made the business pay. This forces businesses to compete on a whole new level that they're not used to. And so they need to get used to this shift And they're going to have to shift their strategy, shift their focus on how they communicate with their customers. And so the thank you economy is all about that. It's a great book for CEOs, for people who are in management positions, anybody who's creating a startup. This is a mental shift in how you approach communicating with your marketplace. If anything, once you read this book, you'll have some different ideas and different approaches in terms of how to use social media to the best of your abilities to help create and foster strong relationships with your customers, with your prospects, with your marketplace as a whole. So why don't we get right into it, all right? Golden nugget number one. A socially connected world requires us to act like it's the 1900s. This is where small town rules applied. Let's say we're in the 1920s and you ran a, um, let's say you ran a butcher shop and you were a terrible butcher or you screwed up an order or you treated a customer badly. What do you think would happen? If you lived in a small town, that word would spread. Everybody in that town would hear about how the guy at the butcher shop is such an ass. He didn't treat me with respect. He did a terrible cut of meat. I will never go back to him again. And that word will spread from house to house, family to family, friend to friend. It would, it would go crazy. And because of that, that butcher would feel the pain. People would not go back to him. And as a result, his business would suffer. That's the way the small town rules worked. But flip it around. If you provided fantastic customer service, if you were an amazing butcher and people loved what you did um, and they respected you and they trusted you, then guess what? That would also go far. 
And everyone would say, listen, you're getting your meat. You got to go to this guy. I mean, he cuts a sick piece of meat. He's a great guy, really nice guy. You know, he's actually got two kids, really bright kids too. And oh, wow, no kidding. People knew each other very well. And they were able to communicate very closely to one another. And it would spread really quickly. That's 1920, small town rules. But then fast forward, you know, 40, 50 years later, 1970s, where people began to move from more rural areas to more populated cities. And these cities would have a lot more options. And because they had more options, businesses had a higher chance of receiving new customers on a constant basis. So because of that, that would mean that if a business pissed somebody off or didn't provide great customer service, that person would probably talk ill of that. Let's just stick with the butcher shop. Let's, that person would talk ill of a butcher shop and they would go back and they'd tell their friends. But guess what? Because now that you're in a city, there's far more customers, far more people. So that business owner wouldn't feel the brunt of it as much as they would if it were 50 years earlier in a small town. So these big cities and urbanization and uh, the fact that there was more customers now would make it easier for that business to survive because if someone spoke badly about it, chances are that word wouldn't get out to everybody else, right? You can see how that's true. I mean, think about it in your own case. If somebody was treated really badly at a bakery or a butcher or got a bad haircut, how would you know? You wouldn't know. If you lived in a small town, sure, you'd know. But because you live in a city, there's very, very, um, it's very unlikely that you're actually going to hear anything about it. So that's 1970. Fast forward now to 2016. Because of social media, it's taken us back to the 1920s, where now we're all connected again. And if someone has a bad experience, they can share it online, and it's easier now to spread. So let's say, let's go back to that butcher shop. And, you know, back in the 1970s, you had a bad cut of meat. The guy was a jerk. He was an ass. He treated you disrespectfully. People didn't hear about it. But now, what do people do? They'll get on Facebook. They'll get on Twitter. They'll get on LinkedIn. And they'll share a post that just ravages the butcher. And because of that, people now will know about the butcher and they won't go to the butcher. Things like that happen all the time. There are so many examples. And uh, recently... Um, you know, there's examples in the media uh, with regards to WestJet and Air Canada and their decisions to um, uh, help out the folks in Fort McMurray and the pricing that happened there. Um, that stuff happened really, really quickly. And uh, because Air Canada was a little bit slower to react, they got lambasted in the media terribly. And uh, it went crazy like wildfire on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. And uh, it didn't bode well for Air Canada. It did bode well for WestJet, though. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Air Canada and Fort McMurray incident and uh, you'll see. Um, I'll give you the quick skinny on it, not to go too in-depth on it. But what happened was there's some big forest fires going on in Fort McMurray, Alberta. And um, there's, uh, there's two airlines in Canada, WestJet and Air Canada. And Air Canada had really expensive fares that were flying people out of Fort McMurray, uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars for a flight. While WestJet, on the other hand, provided flights at a very, very inexpensive price, you know, really cheap, and even allowed the patrons on the flights to bring their dogs with them. So they went over and above to provide great service. So people went on social media and gave kudos to WestJet. And WestJet's brand obviously now just becomes that much stronger, and Air Canada is that much weaker. 
um, because now people look at Air Canada as an organization that was taking advantage of a bad situation. So because of social media, it magnified these things. We're back to small town rules here. And I'll give you another example here. And this was an example that was shared, you know, a number of years ago with a cafe. And I think the cafe was in Toronto. And so this woman, uh, April Dunford is her name. And she tells this cafe through Twitter, you run a cafe. About 50% of your customers are working on laptops. You have one electrical outlet available. I'm talking about you, Mr. Dark Horse. So obviously the cafe is called Dark Horse. So Dark Horse also has a Twitter account. But they didn't see that because they weren't searching their name. However, another individual on Twitter saw April's post and shared it with uh, Dark Horse Cafe. So uh, now Dark Horse Cafe has it. And what was their response to April? They decided to respond to April with the following. They said, hey, that's awesome. We're in the coffee business, not the office business. We have plenty of outlets to do what we need. Dot, dot, dot. They go on to write a second tweet now. Maybe you should just enjoy the cafe and take a break from your computer for a few minutes. Enjoy the space you're in. Yikes. So then April responds back. She goes, sorry I mentioned it. Sometimes I show people stuff on my computer over coffee. Please ignore the customer feedback. Gee whiz. Well done, Dark Horse Cafe. Bunch of idiots. Unreal. So... Can you blame Dark Horse? I mean, this was back in... By the way, this was back in the day as Twitter was brand new. Um, But still, despite that, that's a terrible example of how to use social media. Somebody gives you feedback, you don't just decide to be argumentative and give it right back to them. No, you have to listen. You have to give a damn about your customer. That is not the thank you economy. In fact, that's the F you economy, if you want to call it something else. The thank you economy is about... Giving your customers not what they want, but what they deserve and building strong relationships with them. Now, if Dark Horse Coffee were a lot brighter, they would respond back to April and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you so much for that feedback. We are dedicated to providing a really good, comfortable experience for you. Uh, As long as if you're enjoying our coffee, we want to make sure that you are also enjoying your stay with us. And then, you know what? We'll provide an extension cord with a few more outlets. Let us know if it helps you. Wow, talk about changing that situation from now having somebody who hates your brand, will probably speak ill of it, to somebody who's appreciative, somebody who now trusts the company a little bit more, trusts the brand a little bit more, will vouch for it with other people, will bring other people there. But that's not what Dark Horse did. Instead, they created almost an enemy. And now April, by the way, that was the, her tweets were retweeted multiple times, shared multiple times with people in that community. And again, this is what I mean by going back to small town rules. A socially connected world requires us to act like it's the 1900s again. Small town rules win, baby. That's just the way it is these days because of social media. So you're either going to learn from that or you're not going to learn from that. If you don't learn from it, you're going to feel a lot of pain. However, if you do know how to use social media, if you do know how to be a sympathetic, empathetic human being who knows how to communicate with people, then uh, you know what? You'll do just fine. Golden nugget number two. Loyalty is the best way to secure future growth. It's just that simple. You want future growth, you need to focus on developing a loyal client base. Talk to anybody in the professional services industry. Anybody. Whether it's engineering, law, accounting, strategy, marketing, doesn't matter who it is. They'll tell you that the number one way that they grow is through referrals. 
Now, they might say it's word of mouth, but more accurately, it's referrals. And statistics actually show that the top two ways the professional service firms grow is through number one, referrals from clients, and number two, referrals from other service providers. So 100% loyalty is a big factor in how professional service firms grow. But not only in professional service firms, but all organizations grow as a result of having a loyal client base. Let's take a step back here. Let's step back six years. In 2010, when Old Spice introduced their series of ads featuring Isaiah Mustafa and Terry Crews, you all remember those ads. I mean, they were extremely creative ads. I love them. Hilarious. Uh, Isaiah Mustafa, you know, I'm on a horse. Or Terry Crews, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Doing his thing, screaming at the camera, throwing kicks and punches out there, flexing his pecs. I mean, man, they were incredibly entertaining. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just YouTube that. I'd be shocked if you don't know what I'm talking about, though. But uh, Old Spice ran those advertisements, and uh, they got it right. They got it right because they were having fun with it. It was bold. It was different. And they utilized social media to connect Isaiah Mustafa with their um, with the, the customer base. So customers would tweet in messages or they would bring in a video. And, and these uh, customers using um, Old Spice would ask Isaiah Mustafa questions. And so Isaiah would then respond to them on social media. They were interacting. It was great. They were getting a lot of publicity. You know, the consumers were all behind it. People were buying the products. But then the campaign ended. And when it ended, Old Spice stopped interacting with fans. And followers and sales, they all started to recede. And why? Because they abruptly stopped interacting with people online. And so people just stopped interacting with them. It's really funny. I go back and I think about where I was. And uh, I was all bought into that Old Spice train. I was all about it. I picked up, uh, you know, a number of deodorant sticks. I think that when I first saw the ads, I actually went off and I bought three different deodorants because they were all, all, all Old Spice, but they were all different scents. So I figured, hey, why not? I was all in. I was convinced. I said, you know what? I want to give this a shot. But then once they stopped interacting with folks on Twitter and I didn't see anything else from them, uh, I also stopped buying the deodorant. And there wasn't any reason why. It was just, you know... Uh, I sort of did what they wanted me to do, you know, buy my deodorant or give it a try. And I did. And then I just stopped. I went back to what I was using before. And what I was using before was uh, just a simple Gillette deodorant. And I just went back to that. So it's really interesting when you think about it. Old Spice's mistake was in letting the interest they generated with the advertisements through the engagement. They allowed it to stop. But if they had just kept that interest and nurtured the relationships they just built... They would have saved a lot of money from having to run big splash campaigns in the future. So, for example here, what if they, um, what if Old Spice decided, you know, uh, we've run this campaign for three months. We need to freshen it up here. We have a loyal base of people who are buying our products. What do we have to do to keep them engaged? Well, maybe what you could do is maybe add a barcode to, to your manufacturing practice or put a barcode at the bottom of your, um, your deodorant cap. And when you open up your deodorant cap, you get that barcode and you type it in online. And what happens is uh, Isaiah Mustafa will send you one of his towels. The guy's always wearing a towel in the advertisement. So they'll send you an Old Spice towel. And the only thing that they ask of you is that you record a video of yourself doing your best Isaiah uh, Mustafa or Terry Crews impression. Frick, how awesome would that be? That would have been a sick campaign idea. But you know what? They just stopped though. They figured, man, this is great. You know, we hit our sales for the quarter. 
we're gold. We're in the money. Sales are up. People are talking. Knocked it out of the park. Good job, team. Pat yourself on the back. Take a damn vacation. You know, this is where a lot of companies go wrong. And I say a lot, but most companies go wrong in this area. So pay attention here really quickly because this is really important. Far too many of you are investing in short-term campaigns. These short-term campaigns, they're driving short-term interest, not long-term loyalty. So don't settle for the short-term interest. Strive for long-term loyalty by developing a trusting relationship with your customers to guarantee future growth. Now, I'm a big fan of this golden nugget because it shines a light on how we really need to be approaching the use of social media. Not so much as a push mechanism, but as a mechanism to build relationships. I know it's tough. It's tough. And it's not easy to get started. I mean, I'm, I'm right there right now with a company where we're just starting. They had zero social media presence before. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys. There has to be a little bit of push here. There's a little bit of experimentation. And by default, you know, we build a blog. We build white papers, whatever it is. We build these pieces of content and we push, we push, we push, and we hope that someone starts to pull. That's usually how we started off, and that's how I ended up starting it off, but then I remembered really quickly. You know what? That's, that's the default way of thinking, and that's the wrong way of thinking, and we really need to check ourselves. And So this Golden Nugget especially will check yourself, and it will make sure that, you know what? I'm not here to push content out for my purposes. I'm here to give content to the people who need it, and I want to make sure I'm connecting them to the content. So before I send out a piece of content to everybody, I might want to contact a few people through social media and say, hey, you know what? I picked up this piece of content. I built it for somebody like you. I want to see if it's valuable to you. What, what do you think? By changing your approach from being just, here, let me share a link out there to what I just said can really help go a long way to building a relationship, starting a relationship, and deepening that relationship over time. So remember, whatever you do with regards to social media, you have to make sure that you're not just pushing, that you're trying to build loyalty through social media because that's the best way you're going to secure future growth. So talk to your customers, talk to your prospects, talk to people in your marketplace, ask them questions, build a relationship, don't just sell them. Get to understand them better and help pull them into your story so that they get to know, like, and trust you, trust your brand. And when they know, like, and trust you, they'll be more apt to buy from you, to support you, and to support not only you, but your brand. Golden nugget number three. Be polarizing. Be passionate. Be a storyteller. And be bold. So markets are splintering, attention spans, they're waning, there's too much information available to us today. So to win, you really have to stand out. And to stand out, you need to strike an emotional chord with the marketplace. And the best way to do that is to take a strong stance and be passionate about your stance. So if you go back to episode 12 of Cut the Crap Podcast, where I cover Start With Why, uh, I believe it was maybe golden nugget number two. Go back and listen to that one. I talk a little bit about how when you start with why, you tap into the limbic brain as opposed to the neocortex. Um, and the neocortex is responsible for taking in data and information. But it's the limbic brain, the inner brain, which is responsible for emotion and decision making. So when emotion gets triggered in the limbic brain, that's the same part of the brain that drives decision making. 
far too many of us are filling the world with information. Our content is filling up the world and um, it's not as persuasive as it should be or that we want it to be. Human beings were creatures with emotions, opinions, desires to be a part of something larger than ourselves. So we need to do better than just releasing a blog post full of information of, uh, or education. There's a time and a place for it. Absolutely. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying you still need to create that content because people need that kind of information. But at the same time, what are you doing to drive some sort of emotion? What are you doing to make the consumers, the marketplace, feel something about your brand? I don't care if you're selling toothpaste, if you're selling cars, if you're selling insurance. There's a story there. There's something there that will give you an opportunity to take a side. Something that will get people talking. Something that will get people feeling some sort of emotion towards your business. And I know that maybe some of you listening will disagree with that and you think that's the fluffy side of business and that stuff doesn't work. That's just crap. You know, I'm not talking about fluff. I'm talking about data. I'm talking about hard numbers. Okay, let's get real here for a second. All purchasing decisions are emotional decisions. You cannot debate that. If you want to try, you're going to lose. I can guarantee it because every single decision is an emotional decision. And why? Because every single decision is based on two things, pain and pleasure. People either buy something to avoid pain or they buy something to gain pleasure. Every single thing that we do is based on pain and pleasure and every single thing we do is based on emotion. So far too many companies don't incorporate that emotional piece into their brand and it's hurting them. It's hurting their company, it's hurting the brand, it's hurting sales, it's hurting the ability for the marketplace to truly buy into your company. Again, remember, we're talking small town rules here. If you have a damn good story and you connected an emotional level with people, you think that people are going to tell other people about that? You're damn right they will. Every single year, we see companies coming out with great stories and they put together a great video and that video goes viral. And I really mean viral. It goes crazy. And I'll bring up WestJet again. Uh, I hate to keep bringing up the same example in the podcast. But uh, WestJet does a fantastic job of every single year around the holidays, they put together this video. If you don't know what I'm talking about, type into YouTube, uh, you know, WestJet gives back. And I'll, I'll summarize it for you really quickly here. But people who are boarding a flight, let's say, in one end of the country, as they're boarding, they ask these customers to go and record on this Santa wish list video what they want for Christmas. And so all these people who are going to board the flight before they boarded, they went to this video and they said, what do you want for Christmas? So the people would say, oh, you know what? I want a brand new TV or I want a bicycle or you know what? I want a, a, a nice sweater. That's all I want. So they would record this. And once those people boarded the flight, they didn't think anything of it cool thing though was that WestJet listened to every single one of these had teams go out and buy every single thing that the people asked for and so when the people landed on their flight I don't know how long the flight was maybe four or five hours uh, when the people landed they would go around the, to the carousel waiting for their luggage and instead of their luggage gifts came down the carousel and the gifts had tags on them with their names on it so then they would pick it up and they'd say what the hell is this? What's going on? Where's my luggage? Why are, there, why are there gifts here and why is my name on this? They would open it up and the gifts were what they asked for before they boarded the flight. 
I mean, doesn't it just give you cold shivers thinking about how cool that was? I mean, that gives me cold shivers thinking about it and talking about it right now. Get that weird cold feeling coming up at the back of my skull right now. It's cool just thinking about it. But that's what I'm talking about. It makes you feel something. I mean, for quite a lot, I'm feeling it right now just talking about it. That's the kind of thing you need to get out for your brand. That's the kind of story you're not telling. And by not telling it, you're hurting your brand. You're not doing your brand justice. Every single one of us has a story to tell. Every single one of us. We just have to find it. We have to think deeper. What is that story? And if you don't have one, you got to find one. Because like I said, we're in small town rules. So if you have a great story, something that connects with people on an emotional level, they'll share that story. And that story will go far. It'll go wide. It'll help companies and people get to know you, get to like you, and get to trust you. And remember, that's the path to how we build loyalty. You want to build loyalty, you got to start connecting with people at an emotional level. And so just really quickly, when I say emotional, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be um, fluffy like WestJet. And I say fluffy in a positive sense. I don't mean that in any disrespectful sense because WestJet does amazing work and uh, you know uh, they should be very proud of the stuff they do. So again, I don't want to make fluffy sound disrespectful, but... Um, there's different ways to drive emotion. You can be bold. You can get people excited. You can get people amped up. You know, maybe instead of putting out the fluffy videos, maybe you put out, um, you know, videos very similar to, uh, let's just say something like Under Armour, where you get people jacked up. You get people excited. Um, maybe you take an inspirational uh, slant on things. Um, maybe you take um, a humanitarian approach. Um, you know, something that I was going to do for my company was to connect my brand to um, animal lovers. I'm, I'm a big animal lover, as you can tell if you follow me on any type of social media. I have a picture of uh, myself and uh, you know my baby girl Roxy, my uh, my shepherd uh, Roddy Cross. Um, you know I have her in all my pictures, and I wanted to connect my company to something to deal with um, rehabilitation of pets who you know, were abused or uh, left for dead in uh, different areas of the world. And, uh, you know, I want to connect that to um, my story as a company. So uh, there's a, a million different options for you to choose from, but you have to find that story because it's not easy to connect people emotionally to your products and services a lot of the time. It's just not. And I know that a lot of you are trying to do that. How can we make our product or service and connect that emotionally? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you got to connect your vision, your purpose statement, whatever it is, your mission as an organization, you have to connect that message to your marketplace. And that's a great way for you to start getting emotion out of your company into the marketplace and allowing people to feel your company. This is such an important point that so many businesses forget or that so many businesses neglect because they don't think it's important. Remember, all buying decisions are emotional, so you have to start getting some emotion into your marketing, share it through social media, and as a result, that'll spread, and you'll definitely help the marketplace become more loyal to your brand. All right, last, but certainly not least, golden nugget number four, one-to-one wins today. So the one-to-one wins today is a huge shift in the way that you think about business development. It's a huge shift in the way that you think about marketing. Uh, It's Probably one of the hardest things that um, I think, I think that if companies are able to adopt this, we'll have a huge competitive advantage. But I'm very skeptical. 
in the fact that I don't believe a lot of organizations are ready for this type of approach yet. I think that if you're a sales manager, if you're a marketing manager, you're going to be hard-pressed to tell your CEO uh, this strategy and have them buy into it. Only because it, um, it sort of spits in the face of uh, modern-day business logic where, you know what, if you want to increase sales, you have to have a really big pipeline and you have to have a really big prospect base. Um, so uh, essentially what the one-to-one wins today, Golden Nuggets, about is take it back to friendships, okay? Think about building a friendship, uh, your best friend. We all have good friends in our life where, you know, they're the closest friends that we have. You know, we confide all of our secrets with them and, you know, we could talk to them about anything. How did you build that friendship? Did you build it one to many? So by that, did you mean, uh, did you have 50 different friends all at once and you tried to do the exact same thing with every single one of them and this one just came out and became your best friend? Is that how it happened? No, probably not. Chances are you built a relationship with this person because you took an interest in them. You learned things about them. You invested time and energy into this friendship, which eventually grew into something that's what it is now. It's great. I mean, the same can be true for gardening. I mean, you know, the example of gardening. I mean, you can go ahead and plant 50 trees and, you know, treat them all the same and sort of give them a little bit of water each. Or you can focus on, you know, planting one tree or one bush or whatever it is and really focus on strengthening that bush, giving it the nutrients, the love it needs, giving it the pruning it needs to truly be a great, uh, a great plant that bears fruit for you. Well, the same is true in business development and marketing. Traditionally, the way it's done is, you know, if you're in sales, you build up a strong uh, call list. You know, you have a big list of prospects, whether it's 100, 200, 10,000. I've seen all three in small to medium-sized companies. It's crazy, 10,000 for a small company, but, I mean, that's just the way it's done. Marketing, I mean, you know, how big is our market? How big is our, is our, our, our market? Uh, you know, thousands, millions, perfect. Go after all of them. We have a big market here. All right, that might be cool, but try to go after everybody, and it doesn't work that way. I always say, you know, people listen to two radio stations these days. People listen to WeFM and IAAM. WeFM, what's in it for me? IAAM, it's all about me. Those are the two radio stations that our minds are tuned to, and it's because there's so much damn noise in the marketplace today. So this is something I pulled from the thank you economy, and it inspired this thought. And if you go back to... Um, the, uh, the last uh, last two episodes, actually, the Sales Bible in Cut the Crap podcast, I referenced a story where I talked about uh, how I went one-to-one to build uh, my sales and marketing product uh, back in the day, um, the Growth Network. The way that I did that was one-to-one. I selected 25 prospects, and I built a website for each and every single one of them. And I signed 23 out of 25 of those clients because I talked directly to them. I didn't uh, generalize all 25 of them and give them all the same problems and give them all the same message. I directed a website specifically to them, a message specifically to that person to talk specifically about their business, about the specific challenges I believe they face, their marketplace, their products, their services. Everything was specific to them. It played to their radio stations, WFM, IAAM. It talked to them. And because it talked to them, they listened. Because I was talking to them and I gave them attention. That's not what we're doing today, though. 
And I don't think it's because we're lazy. I just think it's because it's just the way things have been done. But nobody's been there to disrupt that pattern. No one's been there to disrupt that thought or had the confidence to go out there and say, you know what? I don't think we should be doing this. I think we should be building websites for one prospect. If this prospect, hey, if we sign, that's a million dollars. Why don't we focus our attention and our time on this prospect here and build a website specifically for them? Talk directly to them. The reason it doesn't work is because it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy to say that right now. In the trust economy, Gary tells us the best way to get to our prospects, our, our marketplace, our customers, to get to their hearts is through personalization. And this is right on par with my, with my approach of going to the one-to-one approach. Uh, Gary tells a great story in here about a company, uh, a hotel called uh, uh, Joy de Vivre. So this whole hotel chain came up with an initiative and they called the initiative the Dream Maker Program. And this program encouraged employees to um, team up and to find out as much about their patrons as possible. So if somebody booked a reservation uh, for next week, you would go online and you try to find out as much about this person as possible. You know what sports teams do they like? What music do they like? And try to give them a remarkable experience that they'll talk about. Now again, that's bold. Um, that's different. You're building loyalty that way. And don't forget, this is also small town rules. So if somebody sees something great like this, they're going to share that through social media. And you think that's also going to help build loyalty in your brand? Damn right it will. So anyways, the story here was that um, one of the, uh, the, the hotel managers uh, was looking up one of the guests. And they found that one of their hotel patrons uh, was visiting her son. And uh, that's why she was staying in the hotel. But then she found out even more information and found out why she was visiting her son. Her son was facing a form of cancer and he was going through chemotherapy treatment. And so once they found this out and uh, that mother came to the hotel, the hotel put together a really nice, beautiful, uh, emotionally supportive basket for her. And man, that is just so cool. It is so cool. I mean, that's a company that gives a damn about people. And because of that basket, that small little gesture, they built a loyal customer for life who will not only come back, and she did come back. She stayed the entire time at that hotel every time she came back, without question. But not only will she stay there, but she will promote the hell out of that hotel and tell everybody about it. I mean, I'm sure she went on Facebook, she went on Twitter, she told all of her friends, her family, and uh, that builds loyalty for that brand. So, you know, this, this story, it, it speaks volumes to me because the way that we're going at it right now is, you know, compare this to the way that we're pushing uh, scripted messages out. You know, we're building blog posts and we're developing webinars or whatever it is. We're putting together free samples or discounts and we're pushing these scripted messages out through social media and they're getting ignored. Customers only pay attention to what is directed to them, especially on social media. So next time you build a piece of content or you're trying to build a relationship with a specific marketplace or a specific type of customer, try building something specifically for an individual. What can you do to personalize something for them? Personalize a piece of content, personalize a website, personalize a product, a service, a discount specifically for somebody. I can guarantee you you're going to get a far greater response and you're not going to be ignored if you personalize it. People listen to WeFM and IAAM. It's all about them. And you can't blame them. 
You cannot blame them. People are so smart these days. They know that, you know what, it's directed to me. Like a lot of people, they'll put out something that's directed to sales or marketing or innovation or strategy. I love all that stuff. So I usually read everything that comes out of, you know, the marketing camp, the sales camp, innovation camp, strategy camp, management camp. I read it all. But I tend to stop. Because there's so much information. I mean, I get a ton of tweets, a ton of Facebook messages, a ton of emails, all about marketing, sales, yada, yada. It just gets so much. And so the only stuff I truly listen to is when people actually go out of their way to talk directly to me. That's when I read it. So this is a huge, huge takeaway here, a big lesson. And like I said, I talked about it back in the sales Bible two episodes ago, but it's worth repeating now. One-to-one wins today, not one-to-many. All right, there we have it. The Trust Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm a huge, huge fan of this book. Um, I'll go out on a limb, and people might disagree with me, but this is how I feel. Um, The golden nuggets taken away from this book are probably my most favorite golden nuggets. And it's just because it shined a light on the reality that is the marketplace today. Social media has had a huge impact on the marketplace. And I think the most fascinating, coolest part about this is that businesses are getting it wrong still. The vast majority of businesses are getting it wrong. And um, it's no fault to anybody. It's just the fact that we're so used to doing something one way that to change it, it requires a lot of uncomfortable posturing and um, pushing that, um, you know, it's going to require a lot of work. And I'll tell you right now, I am that guy. I am in the trenches with you right now, pushing that forward. And, uh, you know, I'm still doing things a lot of the old ways. And I'm telling you right now, I'm doing social media wrong in a lot of ways as well, too. But um, it's relearning a lot of the things and doing them differently. And to me, I took so much from this book that uh, it's truly changed the way that I look at uh, doing social media and has given me so many other great ideas in terms of how to leverage social media to build loyalty, to continue doing one-to-one type of approaches. And because of this book, you're going to see an idea coming out of me um, probably maybe in June, probably in June, not the interview idea, but another idea. And uh, again, this is why I read so many books, you guys. I'm not giving you guys a whole bunch of BS here. I read these books because I want ideas to make myself a better marketer, a better salesperson, somebody who's more innovative, somebody who's more strategic. Um, To me, I read these books because I want ideas. And every single time I read a book, I have an idea. After I read The Trust Economy, I have a sick idea that I can't wait to incorporate into the podcast. And I'll share it with you in a little bit. I just want to think about it a little bit more and put some more thought towards it. But uh, it definitely has something to do with the one-to-one wins today, uh, Golden Nuggets. So, um, you know, I'm always taking something from these books, from the Golden Nuggets, and I hope you are too. Um, But this book here, uh, especially to me, really resonated with me. um, Because I see so many people doing social media wrong. So it provides a really great opportunity for those people that want to try to do it right. All right, before we wrap this up and I say goodbye to you for this week, I want to remind you to go to cutthecrappodcast.com. Don't forget to sign up for the mind map. If you haven't already done it, um, it's a great mind map that's going to help you summarize all of the information that I shared with you today in this episode in a physical format on a piece of paper. 
Uh, I know a lot of you listening have signed up already. Um, you know, we're already up to about 2,000 subscribers for the uh, for the uh, mind map. So, you know, I see those numbers going up every single day. So it's great to see. Um, definitely leverage it. It's something that I use myself, so I want to make it available to you as well too. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening once again to this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. I love you guys for tuning in and subscribing week after week. Uh, It truly means a lot to me. Thank you, everyone, for all your messages on social media and uh, for your constant support by just subscribing and listening. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you guys back here next week with a brand new business book and brand new Golden Nuggets. Have yourselves an awesome, awesome week. Love you guys. For better, how many times have I told you you have to be what? You have to be what? Twice. What? Twice as good. Twice as good as them to get half of what they have.